So um, like our groups kind of get divided a little bit, but then most of us caught back up with each other. So by that point, I spent, I think it was 21 days from Duncannon to Duncannon, Pennsylvania to Vermont. That's how long it took me to catch up to the rest of them. I was waking up at like five every morning, waking up a lot earlier because I wanted to do like more miles and just to try and catch up to them. Um, I know like a lot of people wouldn't want to do like a ton of miles every single day. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and this is the podcast where I talk to experienced through hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a through hike. Today's guest is Slider, known off trail as Amy Hunsucker. She traveled the Appalachian Trail in 2018 with the Northbound Horde and a plastic trombone. In this episode, she talks about through hiking with the Horde and strategies they use to keep such a large group together and why learning to embrace the suck is so important. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com, through spelled T-H-R-U, of course, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Slider. Hi. How are you this morning? Sunday morning, so taking things slow. <laughs> it's funny you say that, though, because I on Instagram it was saying you were on there, like, or you were up or on or whatever, six hours ago. I was like, what time oh, did you get up in yeah. the morning? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I um, drive for Lyft, so I was up oh. a lot later than I thought I was going to be driving, but it's good for some extra money. What What do you do other than that? I uh, substitute teach. A specific topic? It's anything. The subbing, you just go wherever they need sub. Like, I can choose based on what's available, but it's usually not a lot of options. Got it. And is it a certain age group? Well, I've done elementary, middle, and high school, even like early childhood education classes. So every age, basically. So really a jack of all trades. Yeah, it's just temporary until I start grad school in the fall. Got it. Okay. Now, did you go into that coming off of the trail or is that kind of what you were doing before you went on the trail? Well, I was doing that. So I graduated from college in 2016 and I was going to go to grad school then after that, but I couldn't pay for it. So I did the AT instead and um, I with live moved back home. I was living with like my um, dad, so I wasn't paying for rent or really food. So I was able to save up, and I substitute taught. I served in a restaurant and taught music lessons and did whatever I could to make money. And after the AP, I moved out here a few weeks after I finished, and I've been subbing since I got here. Was that always kind of the plan? Yeah, yeah. 
plan was to move to Colorado because three years ago I got into Colorado State University for grad school, but just couldn't pay for it because I was out of state and I didn't really have any financial help at that time. And now I'll be a Colorado resident and it's just, I don't think I'm going to go into more debt (laughs) this time around. So that's always a plus. Oh, absolutely. College debt is a killer these days. Yeah. Yeah, I was paying for student loans while I was hiking. That was not fun. No, that's that's a little <clears throat> obnoxious. Yeah. Now, actually, in in that you were saying that you were teaching music lessons, which is a perfect venue into you hiked with a trombone. Yes. <laughs> Please yeah, do tell me about that. Yeah. So I. I mean, I heard about, I read a book by, do you know, like the Barefoot Sisters? No, I've never heard of them. No. So they hiked in 2000. So like a, like 19 years ago, but they um, met a guy named Tuba Man on the trail. And like I read about him, he hiked the AT with a tuba, not a plastic one, but like a mm-hmm. full-size brass metal tuba, which Damn. is insanely heavy. His pack had to be 50 or 60 pounds the whole way. And that was, I guess, my inspiration. That's where I got the idea from. And I was able to get a plastic trombone from a band director friend of mine. And I was planning on buying one because they're not that expensive. But mm-hmm. I got lucky and got one for free. And yeah, I've... I loved having it with me on the trail. I, I was because you were talking in your Instagram post about being around the fire and and playing and that type of thing. Yeah, was that sort of the best way to wind down in the evenings? Uh, well, that didn't happen as much. I think uh-huh. I played my trombone more at times when I was by myself, and um, like the best. My some of my best moments on the trail is like up on top of like a really nice view after like a long climb, just sitting there. Sometimes I take my trombone out and play some just because I don't think you can beat those kinds of acoustics just playing out <laughs> into the sky or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, a couple of times, especially when it was colder outside at the beginning, it was really cold. <laughs> If I wasn't, like, if I have fire, that's probably the only time I played my trombone at the beginning, just because otherwise it was so cold. I just didn't want to do anything mm-hmm. else. I just set up my camp and go in my sleeping bag and not come out and do anything <laughs> the rest of the night. Those, those moments were really fun, too, because that's the first night with my trail family. That's kind of what happened, too. Someone made a fire. There were ton of us so I think there was at least 14 of us at that point the first day when we were all together 14 there's a lot of us 14 or 18 it got a little bit smaller towards the end but yeah so like I had my trombone out at one point a lot of them like to pack out whiskey so like passing that around the fire and yeah, it's just, it just creates like another experience on the trail. I really liked having it there. And I think other people enjoyed it too. Did you run into other pe- many other people who were also carrying instruments? Yeah, a, a few others. I, I met a lasher who hiked with a banjo. That was pretty cool to see. And one guy tunes, he had this guitar. I don't really know what 
I don't know, like types of guitar or anything. It wasn't a ukulele, but it was like the size of one, just shaped differently. And we played together a little bit in Delaware Water Gap because I I took a, a Nero into there, so I had like a lot of time to hang out around there. And um, I think my favorite, I guess, collaboration with another <laughs> musician on the trail, if you want to call it that. Perfect. I uh, yeah, I took a zero at the Yellow Deli in Vermont. And there was a woman there named Sale who had this antique recorder. I'm not, I think it was like a, an old, old recorder, but it's like really big, like bigger than like, I think it was a recorder. I'm not 100%. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what it was, but we ended up playing together. And there's a video of us. So do you know like the Lion, the Witch, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Like the Chronicles of Narnia? Yeah. Yeah. So Tomness's lullaby that he plays to Lucy to make her fall asleep. Is that what you guys were playing? Yeah. So like Sweet. she played the own note to it and I play like she taught me like the melody for that. So there's a video of us playing that and one of the other hikers was drying the tent and it was like up on some chairs and this one guy, D'Artagnan, went behind it, had socks on his hand and was doing sock puppets to what we were playing and like it's like i love this video of it but i'm so upset some for some reason the sound isn't working on the video so like you can see it but you can't hear it so you have all these people moving around having fun but you can't actually hear what they're having fun do bummer right (laughs) bummer that actually brings up a really interesting question because i actually haven't heard people mention lashers before okay and I had seen that in your in your Instagram posts as well. So I would love it if you would uh, explain that a little. What a lasher is? Yeah. All right. Well, short story, lasher stands for long ass section hiker. So I guess there's section hikers, but I think this guy was doing, he started in New York and he was going, I don't think he's going all the way to Maine, but he was going pretty close so like more than just a one or two week section hike or a few days mm-hmm. section. Um, I mean, it's in the name long, long <laughs> ass. A really long section hike. Yeah. Yeah. I actually met someone else. Another last show. She, I don't remember. I think she started in Delaware water gap and she was planning on stopping at Katahdin, but I think she ended up flip flopping down to Springer just because <laughs> She she had gotten it in her blood and and couldn't stop at that point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Your sl- your trail name is Slider, right? Yes. Is that because of the trombone, or is that because of something else? It's because of the trombone. Okay. Yeah, I actually got the trail name before I threw hikes. The year before, I did a section with my mom and some others. She's like she's section hiking the AT. Like would just as into like hiking and backpacking as each other. Like we're both very obsessed with it. And uh, so she took me along on this trip. So I did a little bit of Southern Maine and uh, New Hampshire before I threw hikes. So I'm really happy I did that because I knew what was coming by that point. Like it wasn't going to get easier after the whites. Right. But I, yeah, I hiked with a Sobo through hikers in 2017 for about 30 minutes before like, I couldn't keep up with him anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, he, I told him that I was planning on hiking the next year and 
with a plastic trombone. So he's the one that gave me the trail name. And then you, I, I think you were mentioning on, again, your Instagram post that like early on in the trail, you already had a, a trail name, but nobody else really had trail names yet. So where were you defaulting? Like, were you introducing yourself as Slider or were you introducing yourself as Amy or sort of mix and match? Yeah, the first few days, I always started with introducing myself as Amy. And then it's like, oh, but my trail name is Slider. And that got really old saying both of them for a while. <laughs> so eventually, I got used to just introducing myself as Slider. And like now, if I could call me anything but my trail name, that would be so weird. Where do you think that transition happened? Like a week in, two weeks in? I think I was just going by Slider by the time I got to Neil Gap. Okay. So, so fairly early, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Were other people on the trail starting to get their trail names at the same, at that point as well? Yes and no. Uh, I don't think there were that many with trail names at that point, but yeah, I'm sure it's like some people were, some people weren't like, so it takes much longer for some people to get them than others. And I definitely, like I ran into, um, a few people who seemed pretty adamant about not having a trail name. So like they would tell us that I know like one guy, he would kept saying like, this is my name, just, just this name. Like, and he did not want a trail name. So his trail name became just whatever his name yeah, was. Essentially. That's what I called him. That's what I called him. <laughs> you can run, but you can't hide. Right. And there are some people, I think there is one or two names in the hiker yearbook this year where it's just and then the real name mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man when you were in neil's gap did you do the shakedown at what is it mountaineering something mountain cross mountain Mount- crossing mountains crossing. yeah yeah i did do that yeah my pack started at 38 pounds <laughs> and um i think i lost two pounds initially from that so during the shakedown, I had like some extra clothes. Like I was carrying two pairs of shorts and I didn't need more than one pair. And for clothes, I think that was probably the only thing is the shorts. But I also had these like small little containers of like some kind of foot cream, like stuff that I thought might help if help prevent blisters or like treat them if I got them. But Um, I think especially for through hiking, it's, I definitely learned that it's better like not to carry that weight yet. And if something becomes a problem, then once you're in town, you can take care of it. But my feet did really well on the trail. I didn't get blisters until maybe two months in, but that was when I got a week straight of rain and my feet would never dry. So it's kind of hard to prevent anything then, but my, my blister my what I do to try and prevent blisters, I use lucre tape all okay. the time. Yeah, it's like if I feel a hot spot, I put it on there. And if I get a blister, I try and find something. I can't like disinfect the needle on the trail, mm-hmm. but like as soon as I'm in town, I like dis- get a needle from somewhere, disinfect it, pop it, and put some lucre tape over it. What shoes were you using? I use Solomon's trail runners. And then what about your socks? Socks. I um I like the darn tough socks. 
yeah, I did have to. I know like a lot of people ran into problems with this because like with darn tough, some outfitters will let you trade those in. Right. Like if there's a hole in them, mm-hmm. they'll let you trade those in there and then they'll send them to darn tough. And thankfully I was able to do that. I think it was in Irwin, Tennessee. Okay. I did that with two pairs of socks, but I carried uh, three pairs of socks for hiking and then one for just at camp. So like I had like one like nice warm pair of wool socks for at camp and then I'd switch out three, which mm-hmm. I was so happy to have three for hiking, especially once it started right ra- anytime it rained a lot. One of them always stayed dry. So like once it stopped raining, I still had a dry pair of socks. Right, which would be huge. And as you said, your feet were taking the brunt of, of all that rain and all that water. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, I think you were starting to say something. You were saying that you had the Solomon Trail Runners, and then were you saying the 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 model of your shoes? Oh, uh, yeah, it's an X Mission Three. Okay, uh, that's the only model I know by them. But like, they've been working really well for me. Just got a new pair of them a week ago. I've still been using the Trail Runners that I finished the AT with. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, so I. Had I wore those for like the last 400 miles of the trail, and um, they surprisingly don't have there's only like one hole kind of starting in the front. I'm still thinking like a foo hiker right now, <laughs> but um, the tread was pretty much gone though, so yeah, it's definitely time to move on. But especially now that it's starting to warm up here, I have like winter hiking boots. But mm-hmm. if I went, it's gonna that's like a high of sixty six today, so I, I can't hike in those winter boots. So I'm happy to have new trail runners again. I really like the Solomon just because I have bunions on both of my feet. Okay, and they aren't like a huge issue; like they don't hurt that often for me. But um, I do need like a wider toe box. And I um, also, I guess I'm a kind of tall, I'm 5'9", and my feet have always been big. Mm-hmm. So when I first went, I got my shoes at Outdoor 76. Okay. This is a two-hour drive from like where I grew up. So I wanted to actually go there and see Franklin and um, get my shoes like straight from the source. And they actually didn't have a size big enough for my feet at that time at the source. <laughs> so I've just been using men's shoes honestly like i i like <laughs> using especially for hiking like men's clothes are and shoes are just comfortable a lot more comfortable i have like a men's uh uh men's rain jacket and mm-hmm. that's the only one that has arms that were long enough uh, sleeves yeah. that were long enough for my arms i would also assume that because the men's usually have longer torsos too so yeah, that it, it goes a little bit long. It covers your butt if necessary or that type of thing. Yeah, because the rain jacket I had before, it stopped um, like right at the top of my hips. Yeah. And well, it actually like I was fine with that one because like no rain jacket's going to keep you completely dry out there. But <laughs> right. this one, eventually, like it was peeling on the inside. So like it oh. wasn't any amount of waterproof anymore. So in Damascus, I was able to like, send that in and they gave me extra credit to get a new one or like something of equal value. Mm-hmm. But I ended up getting another rain jacket that was like a min size medium. And it's, it fit me great. I like it just being, being just a little bit big. I like that. Do you, did you find particularly, I guess at the beginning, 
and you've mentioned it already, how cold it was, you know, like yeah. when did you start your hike? I started on March 10th. Okay. So early. Yeah. Yeah. I also heard from a lot of people that apparently last year at the beginning was uh, colder than the past um, however many years. I don't really know what the weather was for the others, but I kept mm-hmm. hearing that it was unusually cold last year. Yeah. Were you prepared for that? Like, I know, I mean, few hikers have fairly minimal clothing that they're carrying with them, so. Yeah, I had, I had, I think I had a good set of camp clothes. So, like, while I was hiking, that's fine. Like, it wasn't getting, like, below zero or anything. Mm-hmm. So, like, the, the hiking, especially in Georgia, all the ups and downs, I was, I wasn't that cold as long as I kept moving. But then at camp, I, um, so I, I get cold very easily. <laughs> I'm from South Carolina. I've never been a fan of the cold. So like my <laughs> favorite piece of gear, like clothing gear I had were down booties. And I wore my feet every night while it was cold. My feet were never cold at night, nice. which is really saying something for me. I love those so much. But I do think I was prepared. My sleeping bag was, it's a 30 degree bag, but I also had a liner with it so there was some nights where I wasn't almost wasn't enough but for for the most part I was definitely happy with what I brought and then I kept my camp clothes in like a separate bag that never got wet and Mm -hmm. I had like a pair of leggings and a wool shirt for at camp those kept me nice and warm did you do in your pack, did you do like the garbage bag or something as an interior rain protection and then a secondary bag of your camp clothes inside of that or? Yeah, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah. How wet was it? Um, I would say at the beginning, I don't think it was that wet. It did. Uh, well, it did rain the first two days on the trail not that much but both times it rained it started when I still had one mile left to get to a campsite um and that second night was when I the first night I had to set up my tent I I definitely like preferred staying at shelters mm-hmm. so I wouldn't have to take the extra time to put my tent up um but in that second night I got there maybe two in the afternoon um and I well, the shelter was already full because wow. um, some people took a zero in that shelter because of the rain, and, mm-hmm. and like some. That's actually where I met two people who I ended up hiking like over half of the trail with, but like we didn't really talk then. Like we uh, really met each other further down the trail. But yeah, they told me later that, oh yeah, they just didn't want to hike that day because it was cold and it was raining. So like half the people in there were there all day. (laughs) And that's the first night I had to set up my tent in the cold and in the rain. That was an experience. (laughs) How was that experience? Talk me through that experience. How was it to try to set it up for the, I'm assuming you were familiar with setting it up, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's just with the cold, it's. I couldn't feel my hands and I didn't want to keep my gloves on because then those were going to get wet and then they couldn't keep my hands warm later. So that like when your hands get cold and numb, it's harder to do, do stuff. So you're moving slower and then it's also raining at that time. So I 
never really practiced trying to set up my tent while it's raining without like getting the inside of it wet. I'm sure it definitely got a little bit wet while I was setting it up, but overall for the first time I ever did that, I think it went okay. (laughs) (laughs) You counted it as a win. Yeah. Yeah. How much did you end up using shelter versus tent while you were out there? I use the shelter a lot Uh, towards the end because I finished uh, like about July 31st. So um, like during the summer, like when the bugs were starting to come out, pretty much the only time I would choose my tent is shelters didn't really get full at the end, but I use my tent a lot more towards the end just to get away from the bugs and I don't know. I started to kind of, I guess, transition from a shelter rat to more being in a tent because it was nice having that space to myself, even though like it took another few minutes just to to set up my tent. Uh, I guess it just depended because with my trail family, we actually worked really well. There was a lot of us, Mm -hmm. but about half of us preferred shelters and half of us preferred tents. So we wouldn't like converge on a campsite and take up a full shelter before any other hikers got there. Like there was always extra space for people, anyone else who came in after us. But yeah, I definitely preferred shelters over tenting. Because it was easier. Yeah. I mean, because you've also then got the issues with the bugs and the mice and. Right. I didn't really have that many mice problems. I definitely saw and heard some. Um, (laughs) I guess the worst thing that worst experience I had with the uh, mouse actually turned into a good thing. I had my food bag inside. um, It's just at a campsite. So I was in my tent, but my food bag was in a bear box, which you don't think a mouse would be able to get into, but a mouse did and bit a hole in the bottom of my food bag. But, um, uh, so I lost like one granola bar and like, it didn't get to anything else, but I'm actually happy that holes in the bottom of the bag now because I can, um, get the air out of it much easier when I close <laughs> it up. <clears throat> so thanks to little mouse. Yeah. Yeah. My bag wasn't taking up quite as much space in my pack anymore because <laughs> I could get all the air out. Right. Right. That's funny. A glass half full viewpoint yeah yeah you've gotta you gotta see the good side in things there's a lot of things that kind of suck out there but i i really like the saying people say i can embrace the suck yeah and it's definitely something good something you need to learn how to do when you're out there how did you or maybe you already had that before you came onto the trail but how did you learn how to embrace the suck or how did you embrace the suck i should say well, I had read a ton of hiking books for like other people who were through hikes, so I knew that the trail would be like even more of a mental challenge than it was a physical challenge. And I don't know, I haven't been asked that question before. It I'm I've always liked change, so like getting into a different environment, I actually really like that and like experiencing new things and hiking the AT is something I've had wanted to do for a couple of years and I knew exactly like what kind of challenges I was going to be facing out there, like what it was going to be like. 
I wasn't really surprised by anything that happened. I knew, oh, it's been raining for a week straight. Of course, I knew that was going to happen. And I knew it's not going to be great the whole time. But for me, the way I see it, like if you, you can complain about things every single day, mm-hmm. but that could also just put you in a bad mood. So you can either complain about it or just say, okay, well, this kind of sucks, but I'm still out here on the trail. I'm doing this. I'm hiking over 2000 miles. This is awesome. So I'm still happy to be out here. And plus you have this whole community of other people who are going through the same things as you. So you guys can complain about things together, but then also talk about all the things you love while you're out there. Speaking of community, I know that the, as you kind of already alluded to, the group that you were with was pretty large. Um, and yeah. you guys were called the Horde. Yes, the Northbound Horde. The Northbound Horde. Mm-hmm. How many people did that end up becoming? And I know that you said it's got smaller towards the, the top, but or further north. Yeah, but. so at one point, one of them actually made a list of everyone. And I think in all, it might have been 21 people. Wow. We didn't hike with that many people for very long because some people like pulled ahead, uh, some got behind, but towards the end, 10 of us finished together on Katahdin. That's still a good number. I mean, yeah. considering, you know, how many started, that's what, 50% or whatever. So that's that's a good number. How did you guys support each other? through it well i think with our trail family i think especially with bigger ones those might not seem like they would work for a long time because there's so many people so people might want to go different paces um but for us it we all um hiked out of damascus at the same time like i took two zeros in damascus because the weather was just awful it was cold and raining one day and the next day it was cold and snowing and like everyone else was doing the same thing and we all hiked out the same day ended up at the same shelter and we just kept keeping pace with each other and we all i guess we all vibed really well and those relationships they only got stronger the more time we spent together so i think it definitely helps that we're all wanting to do the same kind of miles mm-hmm. every day we were doing a lot of miles when we first met, like in Virginia, but then by the end, we slowed down to like, we didn't want to do like 20 mile days anymore. We were doing more like 15 miles a day towards the end, but it's definitely easy. I mean, anyone who has through hiked or done a long enough section knows that it's easy to get a, make a relationship with anyone on the trail. And we just had we just had a really great bond. Like we still keep in touch with each other now. And some of us are planning on meeting up for like a two week section hike in South Dakota. A section what of what trail in South Dakota? Well, not a section. It's the Centennial Trail. Okay. So like 111 miles. So you'll actually do the trail basically. Yeah, we'll do the trail. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just a little, a little bit shorter. A tad shorter. Were there, I shouldn't even say were, I'm sure that there were times on the trail that were challenging or difficult or that kind of stuff. How did you keep yourself moving forward? How did you keep yourself on track? 
Yeah, so that um, brings to mind probably the worst, my worst moment on the trail, like my worst injury I had uh, in the shin indoors. I had a shin splint like the whole time through there. And it, so I'm, I've always been, I'm a fast walker. I've always been that. Like I have long legs, so like I've got a good stride and I'm also like a morning person. So I'm always like the, I'm usually one of the first ones up in the mornings and out hiking. But like once I got these shin splints, like we're still doing 20, 25 miles a day, but that was definitely slowing me down a lot. And it, okay. I will say my sister, she, she's a fully licensed physical therapist now, but she was in grad school for it while I was on the trail and I'm so, I was never more thankful for the fact that she was studying physical therapy than <laughs> while I was on the AT. <laughs> so anytime something hurt, I would call her. And like, she told me like what I should do while I'm hiking. Like I took a zero day off to let my trail family catch up because I got a little bit ahead of them. And I took a zero day off so that I could ice it and just not walk on it for a day. Mm-hmm. And that helped for a little bit. And then once we started hiking in the Shenandoahs, it it got worse over a few days and that's like one day I woke up and I start and I had a shin splint in both of my shins and that was like that's the only day I cried on trail like that was definitely the lowest moment for me but I think having my trail family there definitely helped a lot just I was still like leaving first in the morning but I was hiking. I couldn't hike very fast. So I was the last one to get to the shelter. But um, I remember one of the nights when I got there, almost, it was like almost dark. They, um, everyone else was there already, but like they cheered when I got in there. And they're, they're all like, just, they're just awesome people. And like we would do that for, for each other. And yeah, so it, I guess definitely having that support from other people helped. But I was also anytime like something, any like bad weather, whatever other injury might have happened. I still, I never wanted to get off the trail. I knew like if my shin splints didn't get worse, I knew, okay, maybe I need to take more than just one day off, but it didn't, like it went away like a day or two, mm-hmm. like the day after the second shin splint came in, it just slowly disappeared throughout the day and by the end of the day like I, there was nothing so really? I think like what my the stuff my sister had me doing I think that really helped it I also think I was really lucky that yeah I was gonna say you were really lucky yeah <laughs> but it, it's nice to to hear that even through that and probably through other things through the rain through the cold the your focus on doing the trail and completing the trail didn't waver right yeah you didn't you didn't question the why the hell am I out here (laughs) no no that's that's all I wanted to be doing at that point I guess that that begs the question what when you got onto the trail what what did the trail mean to you what was that what was that journey what did that journey mean for you um oh I know a deep one (laughs) yes (laughs) well I don't think I mean I know like I'm definitely changed from doing the trail I don't think there have been any like huge major changes but 
it's definitely eye-opening. Just just another thing about the community of the AT, because I've never had been around so many people who were that supportive of each other. Like, not just my trail family. Any other through hiker you meet on there, you can meet them, like, one day and talk to them for maybe two minutes, not see them for 500 miles, and then still be, like, best friends if you run into each other again. And that's just not something I've gotten anywhere else. And I said just have more of an appreciation for those kind of of friendships that I made. I definitely miss that the most on the trail is just the community of it. Mm -hmm. But I think, like I said before, like I, I like change. Like I, I, my whole plan was after the AT was to move from South Carolina to Colorado. And I've done that going to uh, grad school in the fall. And after that, I'm, I'm like willing to go anywhere. Honestly, I like, like going to new places, experiencing new things. So the AT was one I'd been wanting to do for a while. And thankfully I was, my life kind of lined up to where I was able to, to be able to do that and afford to do it and have the time to do it. It's interesting in the pictures that you were posting, your mom came out and visited you quite a bit. Like, she, yeah. And you had already, you've already kind of said that she is also a very big hiker. Yeah. But... She, she hiked uh, Kilimanjaro while I was on the AT. Yes. Yeah, so she definitely, she hikes in backpacks a, t- a lot too. A ton. I'm trying to remember if you were saying that she was hiking southbound while you were hiking northbound or yeah. something like that. And you guys were crossing. In, in New Jersey. So she drove up to Delaware Water Gap. Um, I was actually, she was bringing a new pack to me that we had ordered online because my other one, the hip belt wasn't tightening anymore. Like it, so it kept falling down and it didn't have like an, a, a removable hip belt. So um, Osprey let me like get another one for half off, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. But it got sent to my mom's house. So she brought it up with her. And she wanted to close off the New Jersey section. So her and a friend of hers who I've been hiking with, both of them, they met met with me in Delaware Water Gap, gave me my pack. And then they met a shuttle driver who drove them to the northern end of New Jersey. And so I started hiking south. Sa- I started hiking north in New Jersey and they started hiking south. We started <laughs> on the same days and ended up uh, crossing paths at one point. So, yeah, I post the picture of my mom and I is where we cross paths in New Jersey. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Is is she kind of the one who got you interested in hiking and then and potentially through hiking? Um, yeah. So I grow, grew up doing more just day hikes so she would take mm-hmm. this on me uh my brother and sister and we go on day hikes uh, especially a lot in the summer and grew up on that and she took us on two big hiking trips like out west like from south carolina so i had never been to like the west coast or midwest before so like the first trip she took us on we went to grand tetons yellowstone and glacier Nice. Yeah. And like, these are all day hikes. We didn't backpack at that point. But then the second one we went to, uh, this is when, this was before my senior year of high school. This That's the summer before then. We went to uh, Arches, Bryce, Zion, and Grand Canyon. 
And in the Grand Canyon, we met some people who were backpacking, hiking from rim to rim. And that's kind of the first, I guess, exposure I've gotten to backpacking because I didn't really know about it. Um, I never really heard about it before or not especially like being able to talk to someone who is doing that. That definitely like piqued our interest. So my um, my sister never really got into it, but my mom took my brother and I on like a backpacking trip after that. It didn't start off very well. So we just had rented backpacks. Um, I'm not, I think we, I don't know where she rented them from, but they didn't fit us right. Our packs were probably way too heavy. So the <laughs> few miles that we hiked to the campsite were kind of miserable. But like once we were like at a campsite and didn't have to hike with the, those packs on again, we had a ton of fun. And um, once I went off to college, I, was pretty busy so I wasn't able to hike too much but my mom she got involved with like hiker meetups so she'd go backpacking with them and she learned a lot through that and any weekends I had free I would like I would join in on those because my my college was only uh an hour away from where I grew up so I could just drive down on a Friday night and meet up with her and we'd um, go with the group Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday, and then drive back. So yeah, we, we definitely, my, um, my brother seems to be getting into backpacking now since I've through hiked because he did, I know he did like a section in Grayson Highlands and uh, Roan Mountain after I finished my through hike. And he's saying that he might want to do it at some point. He might be interested in it. So I think that's really cool that he might do it. <laughs> I think he he should do it. <laughs> but yeah, my mom and I definitely, we really got into it together at the same time. What words of advice would you give to your brother if he were to go out and, and do it? <laughs> um, I mean, just same advice to anyone. If you, he's still in college, like he's got one more year of college left. So if he's okay. able to like save up the money for it and doesn't have a job lined up immediately after college, then that's definitely probably the best time for him to try and do it. There are a lot of people just right out of college. It seems like definitely the more popular age and time for people to hike. But if you have the ability and the time to do it, I definitely say do it. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. for me, if I ended up choosing to try and pay for grad school instead of hiking AT, I'd always, I think I would regret that. I'd, I'll never know like what I'll really feel, but I'm, I think I'm definitely happier now, like now that I have hiked the AT, like I'm so happy I've had that experience. Does that, in does that experience influence how you I was going to say how you how you're living your life now but really it's like how you view going to grad school and getting that you know further degree and and that kind of stuff and then potentially what you're going to do after that uh yeah it definitely has because now I'm thinking because since I'll have I'll be a Colorado resident and I also have a scholarship from the graduate school I'm going to be going to so I should be able to like actually save up money while I'm at mm-hmm. school. And if 
I'm able to save up enough. I'd really like to hike the CDT next. So in, oh, wow. in two years, if I can, I, I want to triple crown with my trombone. I want to hike. Off. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I'd want to through hike again after the AT, but now it's all I can think about. And now I want to do the PCT and CDT and I want to take my trombone with me. When you say that you didn't think that you'd want to through hike again, was that before you did the trail while you were on the trail or after the trail, like in those moments where you're like, okay, I'm done and I'm done. Right. So it was before the trail. I thought, okay, okay. I wanted to do this once. I want to know what it's like. And I think like doing it once, that'll be enough for me. And now since getting off the trail, the longer I'm off the trail, the more I want to get back on. It seems to be a common disease. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is why there's such a thing as the triple crown, I guess. But yeah, it's kind of funny. When you you had mentioned in your post about hiker midnight, I've never heard that term before. What does that mean? Hiker midnight is once it gets dark. So once it gets dark, all okay. hikers go to sleep on the trail. Okay. Yeah. It's just done. Yeah, that's all it is. Like once like I mean, there were some nights, especially if we had a campfire going, maybe you'd stay up a little bit later, but for the most part, like 90% of the time, once it's dark outside, everyone goes to sleep. If you do happen to like want to stay up past that point, then you, like those people also know that don't be loud. Don't um, like disrupt anyone right. else because other hikers will be sleeping by now. What was your usual routine out there? Like how early would you get up and what would you do? Would you eat? Hike? you know, what was your, what was your, what was your plans? For that for day, oh, it definitely changed a lot. So at the beginning, if it wasn't so cold, I might have gotten up earlier. But mm-hmm. I probably would wake up around seven, seven twenty, seven thirty, anywhere between that. I was usually hiking by eight to eight thirty. But like when I first wake up, I wouldn't like start moving immediately because it's cold and I didn't want to get out of my sleeping bag. Um, but when, don't blame you. Yeah. But when it started warm, warming up some and um, it was getting lighter earlier in the morning, I was definitely getting up earlier. Um, I mean, at the end of the trail, it was normal for me to wake up at like five or five thirty to get hiking. And that was was that just because of your excitement for hiking or? Um, yes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it also just depends on how late I stayed up the night before. But if it's like in between town stops and I'm in bed by like eight, probably eight at the latest. So that's a lot of sleeping time. But um, so I actually uh, in Pennsylvania, a trail family kind of split up a little bit, not like because we didn't get along with each other. But like for me, I got off the trail for eight days to go to a friend's wedding and some others like were hiking with family or friends. So um, like well, groups kind of got divided a little bit, but then most of us caught back up with each other. So by that point I spent, I think it was 21 days from Duncannon to Duncannon, Pennsylvania to Vermont. That's how long it took me to catch up to the rest of them. 
I was waking up at like five every morning, waking up a lot earlier because I wanted to do like more miles and just to try and catch up to them. Um, I know like a lot of people wouldn't want to do like a ton of miles every single day. And I definitely agree with that just because like if you do 25, 30 miles every day, you're going to miss so much and that I would just, that would just be so exhausting. But I, I don't think I really missed out on anything. I was, I didn't do, I didn't think I did that much, but I people keep telling me that I was moving fast. But I also like ran into people who started like after I did and passed me and probably finished in like two like weeks before I ever mm-hmm. did. So I guess that's definitely more of a personal preference thing, but. When I was by myself, I always woke up earlier. And then once I caught up with my trail family, that was when they kind of slowed down to more 15 miles a day instead of 20 or 25. And Mm -hmm. um, they were also not waking up at 5 in the morning, maybe 6.30. So that first Mm -hmm. night I was back with them. I was up at like 5.30 and no one was moving yet. And so I just kind of, instead of like eating quickly, packing everything up quickly and going, I just kind of took a slow breakfast and hung out. And that was really nice to slow down more. Also because it was summer, so it was warm enough that like I didn't feel like I had to keep moving to keep my body temperature right. up. Yeah. And then, so you'd eat, you'd get up, you'd eat, and then you'd just start hiking would you take breaks throughout the day or just have your food accessible so you could eat kind of as you were going? Yeah. So I kept snacks in my hip belts um, and uh, snacks were like my most important thing on the trail. Cause I didn't want to, I wanted to be able to like hike and not stop every time I got hungry, but like I mm-hmm. stopped for lunch. I got with my trail family, our lunch stops would turned from like 30 minutes to an hour like two or three hours sometimes um and but yeah I would definitely take breaks especially once we slowed down we would take like those two three hour lunch breaks and sometimes we like just stop at one point eat a snack or just like hang out at a shelter for like 30 minutes and then hike on to like wherever it was we were planning on stopping Um, I remember on the 4th of July last year, we actually midday stopped at this creek and it was a really, really hot day. We ended up spending three hours there just napping, sitting by the water and eating what we, anything we could. (laughs) That, that was, that's one of my favorite memories of the trail. It's just those three hours we spent there. Did you get, did you have a date that you had to get finished by or... No. Okay. I didn't have a specific date. I did want to finish by early August just because um like I, to get Colorado residency you have to be here for at least a year. And I moved okay. out here right before that cutoff date. So I finished the AT on July 31st and um mid August is about when I started driving out to Colorado. And I've been here since August 20th. And for residency, like August 25th 
for the school I'm going to, that was the cutoff date. So I had like a few days of wiggle room, but I made it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it worked out. I, got, I still got a few weeks at home before I moved out to Colorado, just kind of hang out and recover because everything still hurt. <laughs> How long did everything hurt? Um, my feet hurt for like weeks, maybe like like over a month afterwards. It took maybe two months before like it didn't stop hurting. Wow. Almost two months. Um maybe that's because of the bunions. I don't know. There's never never really been that big of a problem for me unless if I like hit it just right on a rock. They never really hurt. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately that did happen a good few times. But sure. um yeah that took the longest to stop hurting when I woke up in the mornings but I mean I'm I don't think I I don't have like any lasting effects now nothing hurts anymore but um Mm -hmm. any like steeper I did okay I do remember like this one day hike I did about two weeks after I finished the trail I (laughs) uh, my I couldn't finish it. I didn't finish all of it because my knees were hurting so bad. Like I wasn't, I mean, I guess I was used to it, but like I took, I didn't do anything for like a week. I was just kind of lying in bed and trying mm-hmm. not, I didn't hike at all for a week. And then I go to do this trail and it, that was rough. Like I still, I did the trail, but it was definitely rough. Like it felt like I had a pack on. Um, but my, I think through hiking is the only time like my knees ever like got hurt like that. Like I me, mean, I think everyone who through hikes gets those kinds of pains, and that took a little while before it went away. But it doesn't seem to be a problem anymore. When you came off the trail, did you still stay somewhat active, meaning walking around, doing a lot of walking around, or anything like that, or did you kind of just yes. stop cold turkey and? I was very lazy that first week off the trail. So like before I even went home, uh, my trail family and I, we spent two days in Portland, Maine, just Mm -hmm. hanging out before we went our separate ways. And we had an Airbnb. It's like we'd walk around the town, but like none of us really wanted to walk that much. Like wherever we were walking to, it's some somewhere with air conditioning, food and beer probably. (laughs) And we just sit down and hang out. (laughs) So yeah, after that first week, I really didn't do anything. I just wanted mm-hmm. to sleep and rest and just relax. And um, but now, like since moving out to Colorado, I try. I hike most every weekend at least, and I'm definitely staying more active now. You're you're in the country for it. Yeah. Circling back to something that you had said previously about your pack, you had an Osprey pack. What pack did you actually have? Oh, I I don't remember the exact model name of this one. It's, it is a bigger pack though. Like it's a 65 liter that I finished with. Wow. (laughs) I did not need one that big. I know much better now that if I threw hiked again, I want a different pack. Because that's definitely somewhere where it'd be easier for me to lose weight on if whenever yeah. I threw hike again. But like other than the fact that it was just a big pack, it it worked well for me. Like with 
I like Osprey, even though it had like this. The only problem I had with it is that the one I started with, it just wouldn't the hip belt wouldn't tighten anymore. Is it wasn't the right size for me. But yeah, I would still use Osprey if I threw hiked again. Okay. Did you end up losing weight while you were hiking? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've always been a fairly skinny, um, but I definitely, like, you can tell a bit of a difference. In all, I think I lost 18 pounds, I think it was. Um, and the wow. last 10 pounds was during, like, the last two, three weeks on the trail. Like, maybe, like, maybe the last month. But, like, with all of Maine, New Hampshire and Maine, that's maybe, like, body was going in survival mode. And that's, like, all that weight started <laughs> dropping off. I was eating more, but also losing more weight. But <laughs> Tristan. Yeah. Yeah. That's just through hiker diet somehow su- sustained me through all of that. But what was your diet like? What What were you eating out there? And would you ever eat it again? <laughs> oh, I would eat it again. <laughs> I... I had ramen bombs pretty much every single night on the trails, like ramen and mashed potatoes. That was always my dinner and whatever snacks. I like the little Debbie snacks. I had a lot of honey buns. Um, my favorite thing to have for breakfast was, was a bagel with Nutella. Mm-hmm. I think I, ca- I actually carried two bagel loaves at one point. I think I carried two bagel loaves through the 100-mile wilderness um, just so I knew it would last me. I had that in like a family size bag of chips. I think the first time I bought chips to eat on the trail, it wasn't until it might've been like in Vermont. It's like, I never like, got chips just because I thought like the bag was too big. It'd take up too much space, but I ate through the first bag of chips I bought in one day. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. Like if food is separated into bags, like I'm good at like conserving it, but like in like one huge chip bag, like this one was, I'm not good <laughs> at that. Even now, I don't buy chips or like ice cream in like big quant- large quantities mm-hmm. to keep my home because I will just eat all of it. I snack a lot, and that's on the trail. That's a great thing. <laughs> Off mm-hmm. the trail, it's harder to <laughs> control. What was your favorite thing out on the trail? Food-wise, what was your favorite, like, go-to food? Oh, Nutella. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I don't like peanut butter or mm. nuts. Like, and it's not an allergy thing. I just, I don't like them. I can't stand the taste or smell of any of it. So um, I had Nutella as my substitute, even though it's definitely not as good for me as peanut butter might have been. But... I had a lot of Nutella. Like some people carry peanut butter jars. I was carrying Nutella jars. Did you do anything with the Nutella? Like add anything to it or anything like that? Or is it just just strictly the Nutella? A lot of times is me just scooping Nutella out of the jar and just eating it like that. But I mean, I'd have it like with a bagel for breakfast. Most of the time, like I have like two bagels with Nutella. And um, at the beginning when I was... When I had Nutella, it would freeze just because it was so cold. Mm. So I couldn't mm-hmm. really put it on anything. So the only way I could eat it was to just pick it out of the jar. And that took a lot of work. So, but <laughs> still tastes good. It just 
took a little bit more work to eat it. How is Nutella after it's frozen? Oh, it's still delicious. (laughs) It's just harder to get out of the jar. It's still highly recommended. Oh, yeah. What was your experience like with with trail angels and trail magic and that type of thing out there? It was great. Um, So I actually met the first, my first like trail magic and trail angel experience was at Neil Gap. So I stayed at the hostel that night and it was like a missionary group from Georgia of the college students from Georgia that were in this missionary group. They came on this spring break to do trail, trail magic at Neil's Gap and Unicoi Gap. So they kept going like back and forth between those two spots. And I actually saw them at both of them. Um, but hmm. I talked to uh, these two girls there um, while I was eating like two, three plates of food at that point. And um, they ended up following me on Instagram. And like one of them, she was following my whole journey. And we talked a little bit whenever I had service and can reply back. She was like a really great support system, just like someone I met once in real life. And then like, she kept supporting like my whole hike all the way through, um, even though I only saw her like that one day at Neil Gap. And then I saw her again at Unicorn Gap. When I came down, I think it's Blue Mountain uh, that comes down into Unicorn, Unicorn Gap. And I was about to cross the street. She like saw me there and like screamed my name and <laughs> Uh, it was it was really cool to see her again, but any any trail angels I saw in there like were amazing. They were always great experiences, and of course, any kind of trail magic is a plus. Were you the AT is known for its trail magic? I, I mean, because it's so accessible. Yeah. Were you running into like multiple trail magic during the days during the day or? Was it at least getting spread out a little bit? And I'm assuming it probably it was more so lower in the more southern area than the northern. Yeah, definitely. I mean, most of the times it was just one in a day. I had one unfortunate experience where I was climbing up uh, a mountain and the guy coming down the other side, hey, this set told me that there's trail magic on the other side of the mountain. So I was like, booking it up and over that but they were gone by the time I got there oh no so disappointed I'd rather just not been told that there was trail magic instead Mm -hmm. of thinking there was going to be some but there was one day where I got trail magic three times in one day like two of them wow two of them were like boxes of snacks left on the side Mm -hmm. of the trail and then the third one like these were all in the morning too, like all very close to each other. So by 11, so I came to across this guy, he had a, a huge setup. His wife was hiking the AT and she was going to be crossing through there that day. So he just had a setup for like any hikers and also to meet up with his wife. He cooked um, cheeseburgers, hot dogs, I had a bunch of snacks, even had his dog there with him. So that I spent, about an hour there. Like, I was doing a lot of miles that day, but I always stopped for trail magic, especially if it was someone there that I could like, mm-hmm. talk to. What was your favorite trail magic or trail angel experience? Ooh, don't know. Mm. 
I don't know if I can think of just one. Okay, give me a few then. Okay, well, one that comes to mind. So, you know the Crawford family? I've heard of them, yeah. Yeah, so I, I did meet them on the trail. And, like, the first day I saw them, they were, like, sitting on the side of the trail, stopping, taking a break and eating a snack. And, like, I said hi and, and hiked on. And then the next day, they had camped out by this lake that's by, like, a, a parking lot. Um, I found out later that these people who were following them on like Instagram and watching the YouTube videos brought breakfast for them. And nice. so, yeah, so like that was ahead of where I camped out that night. So that morning I woke up and I hiked. I ended up like walking in on this. <laughs> they had finished most of the food by then, which is okay. There's still like some like snacks I was able to take with me, but it was really cool to like actually meet them. I got to hang out with them for a little bit and, um, I told them like I had my trombone with me and so I'm in mm-hmm. one of their YouTube videos playing my trombone for them. But nice. that's the last time I saw them, but that was really cool. Even like the trail magic was more specifically for them. They were still sharing with mm-hmm. everyone and there were a lot of other hikers there too. Um, I think my favorite, I think the best trail magic experiences were ones where like the people actually there the ones doing the trail magic were there and like talking to you a lot of times they were passed through hikers or um okay okay no no i do have i do have a really good one okay carl the omelet guy okay all right he was amazing all right so we like the 10 of us there we got to his omelet stand like after like too late in the day. So like he wasn't there. So we, mm-hmm. like we all really wanted to get omelets, um, especially one guy, um, honey bun. Like this is like the one thing like he absolutely like, had to do. He want like he heard about this guy and he wanted one of the omelets. So like he convinced all of us to stay there and just count in um, stealth camp at wherever we could find a flat spot around like close to um, the, the um his like omelet mm-hmm. stand I don't know what he called it I just keep calling it an omelet stand um <laughs> but like he also had like bananas hung up a ton of bananas and gallons and gallons of juice so we hung out underneath the his tarp and ate some bananas drank some juice ate our um ramen meals pesticides and uh the next morning uh he we got, finally got to meet him and I do have like a picture of the omelet he made me, which is like almost as big as my head. It was, <laughs> but it was delicious. And this guy, like he, I don't really think he's a hiker, but he told us that when he learned about the AT and the kind of community is, it is, he said like he wanted to do something where he could like get involved and meet people and help out those hikers. And I think it's awesome. He's retired and he spends all this time making dedicating like this time and the money, however much money it takes for him to make that many eggs for hikers. It's, it's really cool. Like even someone who hasn't been a through hiker can dedicate that much time to the Appalachian trail. He's, he's got a level of commitment to it that few people can match basically (laughs) since he has an actual stand that is set up and yeah, I've, I don't know if he still has it because last year I know like he had to uh, take it down 
I don't know the exact reason behind it, but like I have so many people were so upset about it. I'm so happy that I got to like see meet him and get an omelet for him before that happened. But there were a lot of hikers who weren't able to because they made him take it down. I'm really hoping, I don't know if he's set up anywhere this year, but I'm really hoping that he's going to be able to. It feels like he's a little bit of part of the history or the the culture of the trail. Yeah, definitely. How was the hiker hunger for you? (laughs) There's a lot of hiker (laughs) hunger. (laughs) Yeah. um, I think like on a normal day, not through hiking, I'm, I'm a pretty hungry person. I like food. I like eating. Um, so like my hiker hunger got that it definitely took off on the trail. It took a couple of weeks before I could really set in, but I was I was eating a lot. <laughs> I even did the half gallon ice cream challenge. Yeah. What was the flavor? Uh, so I did chocolate for like the big tub of it. And then like, you still have to do another pint because that tub isn't a full gallon. So I did chocolate for the tub and then mint chocolate chip for the pint. <laughs> and I finished it. I got my spoon. And after that, uh, the AT museum is right by that general store. So I went in there and they had, they call it the hiker lounge, which is like two couches around like a coffee table that has a hiker year books on it. I ended up taking a two hour nap there <laughs> and then went back to the general store, got a hiker burger and hiked seven miles after that. Jesus. That was a full day. Yeah. I wasn't even planning on doing the ice cream challenge, but this was while I was catching up to my trail family. So um, I wanted to do like a few more miles than what I ended up doing. But the two people I had camped out with that night, um, they convinced me to do it with them. So, and that's, that's, that's also an Instagram post. I have pictures of us eating the ice creams like before and after. <laughs> <laughs> the full containers, the empty containers. Yeah. yeah. How, how else did the hiker hunger affect you? Were you just always hungry or were you, were you able to help that with, you know, eating something that was higher fat or protein or? Um, oh, I didn't really think about like fat, protein, carbohydrates. I just knew like what was light and what just eat. calories. <laughs> and I was definitely hungry most of the time. But also while, when you're hiking as much as you are when you're through hiking, a lot of the times I've like you, you get good at just getting in your own head and like not really thinking about anything else. You just kind of focus on what you're doing or like from listening to music, it's distracting from, I don't always notice I'm hungry, but then every once mm-hmm. in a while, like I'll, my mind will wander somewhere else. And then, then I like realize like I'm really hungry right now. <laughs> and that's where the snacks would come out. And yeah. Yeah. Did you have much experience with or encounters with animals out there? Yeah. So I um, actually, one of my favorite things to do on the trail was to play my trombone for the cows. Anytime, <laughs> anytime I saw cows, I would stop, like no matter the weather, what kind of miles I wanted to do, because cows love music and it was so cool playing for them. 
Yeah, and house um, love music. Yeah, they do. Like I had at one point, I was like right in a cow pasture, and like there were a ton of cows. Anytime I started playing, they'd all like look up, raise their heads, and look at me. And this one particular time, two cows actually walked up like really close to me. And I wish I could have gotten video of it, but I was by myself and like to play my trombone, I need both of my hands. So I mm-hmm. didn't like I hold my phone to get a video of it, but it was so cool. And then in Grayson Highlands, I tried to play it for the ponies. That didn't go as well. Um, and I think they were just trying to eat the trombone. It's like, you know, like when they will come up to any hiker and try to lick the salt off of your mm-hmm. like, skin just because from your sweat. So I think they were trying to do the same thing with my trombone, but then they were like almost biting my slide. So I had to put it yeah. away because I was afraid they were going to break it. Yeah. So those were, at least with the cows, that was a good animal experience. I think the, it really wasn't that bad, but um, the worst, worst animal experience I had is I was charged by a grouse. Charged? Excuse me? Yeah, I was charged by a grouse. I also had no idea what a grouse was at that point in time. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I could hear this noise, like, as I was walking down the trail. I didn't know what it was. And then all of a sudden, I see, like, this thing just fall out of the sky. And I was, like, from with its, like, tail raised, it looked like a small turkey so like anyone else who like I would talk with about it it's like this is just I don't know what it was it looks like a small turkey um but um I think it might have had a nest there that's why it was being like so defensive protective yeah um but yeah it never actually like got all the way to me but it charged me like multiple times and this part of the trail like I couldn't go around it because like the bushes around the trail and this grouse stayed right smack dab in the middle <laughs> and wouldn't move for like two minutes that so I couldn't do anything <laughs> and finally it just like ran off and just making whatever noise it is that they make the whole time and everyone else coming up behind me they a lot of people said like, they heard it another hiker said he was charged also by it this grouse chose the wrong place to put a nest. Yeah. Yeah. So so basically you were able to get through when it bit, it left, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Eventually. Okay. <laughs> eventually. What about any experiences with like bears or snakes or mosquitoes? Yeah, I think I had, uh, I mean, I definitely ran into a lot of mosquitoes. Like it's hard to get away from those, but... I didn't see any black flies. I think I was early enough in the season that I missed black fly season, thankfully. And I had a couple of nights where I just, I got into camp late and I really didn't want to set up my tent. So I, and the mosquitoes were like awful at some of these campsites. So I had to keep my sleeping bag over my head in the middle of summer to keep the mosquitoes off. Because if any part of your sleeping bag uh, lifted up a mosquito was gonna like, get in there immediately like the buzzing did not go away at all throughout the night those were definitely the worst parts with mosquitoes um i had started i wore a buff on my head every day just because i have small hairs that would like, go get into my eyes so it held that back but um eventually i started like, putting the buff down over my ears 
And that would at least keep the bugs from flying in my ears in one less place where I had to swat them away from my face. Did you do any sort of head net or anything like that? No, I didn't. No. The mosquitoes, I mean, that's never fun, but I think my experience with them wasn't as bad as other hikers might have had. Um, I did get stung by a wasp in the 100-mile wilderness, and uh, I was actually warned about this before I got there, but I forgot about it until after I got stung. That someone said this point at the top of this uh, mountain in the in the wilderness, um, there's a wasp nest on the ground that people are getting stung by because it's like right by the trail and they don't see it. And mm-hmm. I, I never even saw the wasp. I just felt it. Like it, it got me like right on the back of my calf. I think it was like right on the muscle too. Cause it's yeah. around for a long time. <laughs> like I had this huge circle on my calf, like well, mm-hmm. circle welts. That it was, I don't even know what to reference it. It was like almost the size of my palm with like where the stinger was in the middle. Yeah. Uh And it took, it took weeks for that to go away. It took a long time, but yeah. No issues with bigger animals. Um, I saw, I saw six bears in total on the trail, not including like the two in the, the zoo out, coming down from Bear Mountain. And the first one I saw was just a cub. And um, I was playing music. I didn't, I don't like to wear headphones while I'm hiking. I know like some people okay. hate this. Like if someone's like playing music or listening to something without headphones, um, which like, I definitely understand that. Like I either turn it off or turn it down if I was passing someone. But I'm really happy I had music playing then because that scared the cub away before I noticed it and I didn't see like any other bears, but I also didn't stick around to try and see if like a mama (laughs) bear was around. I didn't want to stick around for that, but I guess the only really negative experience with bears I had, it wasn't that bad. It's in, it's in the Shenandoah. Yeah. It's it's like the bears in the Shenandoah are definitely used to seeing people because there's so many people in that part. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, there was uh, like a mama bear and two cubs hanging out right on the side of the trail. Could not pass them. There was like six other people with me. We were like, screaming and like throwing things close to them, like not at them, but like, close to them to try and scare them away. They did not care. They would not move. <laughs> it, it took like five minutes before like the bears just finally like, walked off on their own very slowly. Mm-hmm. They walked like a few, um, Hey, like a hundred yards, probably not even that much away from the trail and then stop there and then just continue doing what they were doing before. But at least at that point, we we're able to hike on. But yeah, this, those bears and the Shenandoahs did not care at all. <laughs> and they weren't afraid or they weren't. Yeah. And they weren't afraid of people or loud noises or that kind of thing either. No. Crazy. Yeah. Bears. Everybody keeps describing the black bears as being large squirrels, but they're still bears. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know um, two other hikers when they're in the first day in New Jersey, they were setting up their tents at a campsite. And one of them, he had his food bag like out of his pack and a bear came up and was like trying to steal his food and ended up stealing like his whole food bag. 
and like this wow yeah that like they were okay like the the bear was just after the food but like they weren't able to scare Mm -hmm. the bear away before it got to the food yeah and i know there's one shelter i don't remember what the name is but more in like the northeast northern section of the trail um, where like, in the register, I was reading like people were saying, like, don't stay here tonight. There's a mama bear and two cubs that will steal your food if you stay here tonight. So apparently these bears were just hanging out in this area because they knew how to like, get a food bag down, even like a well hung up food bag. They would climb mm-hmm. the tree and they had it like, down <laughs> to a science, I guess. Because like one of the entries in there said that um these people they kept waking up multiple times through the night and hearing like the bears around their food and so like they would scare them away go back to sleep and wake up again and the bears would be back like they just kept coming back they were persistent oh yeah how did you balance the planning planning your trip and planning when you would be certain places and stuff like that against the flexibility that you kind of needed when you got injured or a grouse was charging you and you couldn't go anywhere. And none of those things, none of the animal encounters seemed to last too long, but how did you balance the staying flexible with, with what you needed to do in your schedule versus the planning and knowing that you needed to be done at a certain point and, and that kind of thing? Yeah. So, well, thankfully for me, I did it. I guess I kind of did need to be done at a certain point, but the pace I was going, I wasn't really worried about that as much. But as far as like day by day, how much I did, I would. So like whenever I go into town to resupply, that's when I would like look in my AT guide and figure out like what town, which where my next resupply was going to be and like how many days I wanted to plan to take to get there. And those I might not do like the same amount of miles that I planned for every day, but I would usually stick with that or, and I always packed like extra food too, like just in case, um, like I needed to take an extra day to get somewhere. And cause there were definitely times where, uh, the trail ended up being harder than what it looks like on the map. Well, that happened a lot. Okay. <laughs> that happened a lot <laughs> it, actually, but, uh, there are a couple of times that definitely did, um, caused me to take an extra day or two to get to a town but for the most part that wasn't that big of a problem and I think I planned my food well enough that if I needed to take another day I right and I mean as you pointed out like early on in the hike there were a couple of people who had taken a zero day at a shelter because of the rain and stuff like that and so yeah they also were planning accordingly to right. be able to have that flexibility yeah and that's one of those things I guess maybe it goes along with embrace the suck. You just kind of have to go with, go with whatever happens. You can't plan out every single day. There's no way you can plan a whole hike and stick to that exact schedule. And that didn't give you any anxiety. You were, you were good with the flexibility. And- oh yeah. Yeah. Not at all. I mean, I'm, I'm good with flexibility. I'm, I think I'm I'm pretty like go with the flow kind of person. So I was I definitely worked well with that. What was what was your best experience or best memory of the trail? Uh well, anytime like I think about the trail, like I always go to my trail family. 
because I I had no intentions of start of hiking with the trail family, and I anytime I heard about like big trail families, I thought I would hate mm-hmm. that, but it ended up being like just an amazing thing. Like we all are really close. Are all we're all still really close now, and just the time I spent with them. Those are definitely like some of like my favorite moments on trail. What was like one of those moments? Okay, so my I had my birthday is April twenty third, and I okay. so like I was with them on my birthday, and it turned into a three day event. <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. Do you know uh, Woods Hole Hostel? I'm not familiar, but yeah. okay, so it's in Virginia. Yeah, it's in Virginia. So the day before we got to Woods Hole, we ended up deciding to do like a 33 mile day that wow. we wanted to get as close to the hostel as we could. So we didn't have to do too many miles before we stayed there. And that day we did, it was 33.3 miles. That was my birthday. <laughs> and like it rained for like half of the day, but like I was in an awesome mood because that morning also we all got breakfast at this, um, call like an outpost but it's like like a little store with a kitchen in it it made us breakfast like i got a chicken biscuit and then a chocolate milkshake (laughs) at eight in the morning (laughs) it was my birthday breakfast yes and um the guys who were ahead of me there um like anytime they saw me that day they would like yell happy birthday slider (laughs) and it's they all really they're all really cool to me and honestly like the best birthday present I've gotten because it was raining the second half of the day by the time I got to the campsite and the shelter it was still raining and mm-hmm. so the guys that were already there they saved a spot for me in the shelter I didn't have to set up my tent nice. in the rain so it was really nice of them to do that and then uh, the next day we went to Woods Hole very what much more relaxed we didn't know that um it was an alcohol free space at that time mm-hmm. so um we we were planning on like going into town to resupply there, and, but it's also like thirty minutes from the closest town, so it's like out. It's really out, like in the mountains, away from everything. Mm-hmm. So like, we our plans changed a little bit, but like we still had an awesome time there. Like Neville, she made dinner and breakfast for us. Some of the guys got massages from her, and it was. It was just a really cool place to spend the night. Like I would definitely recommend Woods Hole to any hiker out there. And um, so the next day we hiked in the Parisburg, Virginia. And that's uh, where one of, I, um, I really like Guinness. I studied abroad in Ireland. So <laughs> that really turned me on to like stouts and especially Guinness. And like all the um, people in my trail family knew that. So two of them actually both got me a six pack of Guinness and oh wow we're staying in a motel we this is like a normal routine for us like the rent two motel rooms for us to like pack ourselves into like six put six or seven people in each room <laughs> and um so we had Guinness and then one of them got there's a grocery store across the street from our motel one of them got a cake and had someone write happy birthday slider and drew a picture of a trombone on it we all had cake <laughs> that night too and yeah, that's, that's definitely one of like the 
great one of my favorite moments from there from um being with them like that and like i told you about like the fourth of july spending us three hours just napping eating and hanging out by the water during the hottest part of the day yeah having a little siesta yeah and we had a lot of little moments like that where we just um like sometimes we would hike together we didn't hike together that much but the times that we did were a lot of fun so like in Grayson Highlands we were most of a lot of us were hiking just in a line with each other I actually had my trombone out of the case because like I was I wanted to play for the ponies this was before I knew they were just gonna bite bite it so um one guy soothsayer he was he offered to like carry my pole so that I could carry my trombone <laughs> out of the case mm-hmm. and it's just a lot of fun. Like, there's just an awesome group of people to be around. There's just a lot of little moments that really made the trail amazing with them. It sounds like it. And and I guess that is also what I'm hearing from a lot of people. It is the people. I mean, it's beautiful out there and that, but it is the people that that really help to make the memories. Oh, yeah, definitely. Speaking of memories... I understand, again, from your Instagram, I feel a little bit like a stalker, but uh, <laughs> from your Instagram that you got a tattoo commemorating the... I did. Mm-hmm. What, is it just the trail, essentially, or a, a representation of the trail? Yeah, it's just the trail. So it's the line of the trail you see on a map. And I, 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 mean, I knew I wanted to get a tattoo at the end of it. Like, before I started, it's like, if I finish the trail, I want to get a tattoo. I've never gotten one before. And um, I had been thinking of ideas like the whole time, but I didn't come up with this one until like the day before I got it in Portland. Oh, wow. (laughs) I got it in Portland. And um, at first I was thinking I'd get just like the AT symbol, like the black block Mm -hmm. letters. But um, then I thought about this and I really liked it. It's simple and I knew what it was and, well, like most people can't see it just because it's on my side. But like if I'm in a bathing suit and someone else sees it who's also hiked the AT, maybe they would recognize it. Maybe not. Right. But um, it's I like it. It's just like it's sim- just a simple line. And, but it's mm-hmm. the entire AT, too. It's simple and complex all at once. Yeah. Is there anything that you feel like we haven't touched on that should be said or or – you want to make sure people know about? Um, I think, I don't, I can't think of anything right now. So talk about like the main things, like hiking the AT, like with my trail family, that was a huge part of it. And we're meeting up again. Like we have a group chat that stays uh, very active. <laughs> Um, and then like, I know I talked about, I'm going to grad school in the fall. I want to triple crown with my trombone. That's pretty much all I have going on right now. But okay, I mean, Colorado life is amazing. I love it out here. I'm so happy I made the move out here. You've been converted to a West coast girl. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. If people want to reach out to you or follow your continuing adventures, where can they find you? I uh, can follow me on Instagram and trombone and hike is my handle <laughs> and spelled out a N D trombone and hike. And I also, I kept a trail journal 
on the AT. I, I wrote in it every single day. So I am sharing that journal now on a blog at tromboneandhike.com. <laughs> so that'll be... I'm seeing a theme here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So um, Instagram and that blog are the two main places you can uh, follow what I'm doing. And then on your blog, you're going to basically kind of spool it out day by day uh, in coordination with what was happening sort of a year ago that day or... Yeah, I've, I'm not writing every single day. <laughs> that's okay. that's more of a commit, commitment to it that I wanted to, but I'm doing it at least once a week. Uh, I've already okay. like, done it twice this week, but like, so like once or twice a week, I'll release like one day for the trail and my entries at the beginning of the trail are very short, only a few lines long. So I'll add in like whatever details I remember after like I put in like the original journal entry. Got it. Very nice. It's a nice way to remember to reminisce. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for for reaching out and and for coming on. This has been fantastic. Thank you for having me. I've always enjoyed talking about the trail with anyone. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's a little addictive. It's so addictive. It's very (laughs) addictive. (laughs) Very cool. Well, thank you again, and I will let you get on with the rest of your Sunday. Have a good rest of your day. notes and links for Amy's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Amy for sharing her stories from the trail and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. We'd love to hear about your trail adventures as well, so please email me at hikingthroughpodcast at gmail.com or you can also DM me on Instagram at hikingthroughpodcast. We would also love it if you would find us on your favorite podcast provider and leave a review. I'll see you on the trail.